Hi there. I'm Karen, and you have arrived at the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm really glad you're here. Whether you meant to be or not, I'm glad you're here. And I just love that uh, I have people who tune in on a regular basis and who shoot me emails and and comment. That means so much to me. I appreciate it. If this podcast reaches you or touches you in some way, please feel free to let me know. It blesses me and it encourages me to keep going. I know that sounds, sounds a little bit selfish, but it does. So I really appreciate it. And it also kind of helps me know that I'm headed in the right direction. All right. Okay. So I'd also love it if you would hop on out to my website at womaninspired.com to join me there. You can check out all the details about this podcast, speaking engagements, photos, and social media links all right there. And I'd also love it if you join me on accessmore.com. If you like this podcast, I'm sure you'll find something to like on Access More. It's a safe space to find new, exciting, and interesting podcasts from all over the world and from all kinds of faith leaders, theologians, educators, entertainers. You're going to find some of the most popular faith-based podcasts out on accessmore.com and probably some people you've never heard of that you will love. So if you don't mind, when you're done tuning into this, hop on out to accessmore.com. All right, so let's jump right into this podcast episode titled Name Calling. <laughs> All right, we're going to start out with some pod quotes. Ready? Here's one by poet Julie Martinez. And in her head grew a list of things she'd done wrong, names she'd been called, and mistakes she'd made. Slowly, these were the things she became. I include that because, first of all, I like her poetry, but also I fear that this is what's happening to many people, especially women in culture today. Though the great news is it doesn't have to. All right, here's another one by Max Lucado. God is able to accomplish, provide, help, keep, save, subdue. He is able to do what you can't. He already has a plan. God's not bewildered go to him. All right. So I wanted to share with you that I was in a small town in Kentucky not long ago where I went for a speaking engagement. It was a beautiful little town and the people were kind, gracious, very family oriented. They were proud of their families. I mean, entire families came to this conference all together. I found that phenomenal. It's not something you see often anymore. And there were several generations from a family at the church um, for the entire conference. I mean, and, and not just one family, but several different families. So that's how they chose to spend their Saturday and Sunday together. To me, that's amazing. I don't think I've ever seen that before uh, in any speaking engagement that I've been to. And I've spoken all across the country upwards of over 300 times in the past 25 years. So this was amazing to me. And I sat in this, this pew that had a woman in her 80s and with her was one of her daughters and that daughter's granddaughter along with the 80 year old um, grandchild one of her grandchildren and a great grandchild and a great great grandchild it was amazing to me they weren't the only family represented like I said at this church um, they had several different families who had different you know several generations there together I'll spit it out, I promise. <laughs> Several different generations of one family there at the conference. So the other thing that struck me as interesting was in this particular area, 
the way they named their kids and their family members. Let's just say it was interesting. <laughs> okay. It reminded me um, of George Foreman. Okay. So I'm, I've heard of people who name their kids after themselves to kind of try to incorporate the mom or dad's name into the name of the child. Um, but I say George Foreman because um, George Foreman, the retired boxer, evangelist, pastor. Okay. So if you didn't know, if you didn't know it, he named all of his male children after himself. He named every one of his five sons, George Edward Foreman. They all have the exact same name, the exact same name. <laughs> no, no kidding. Now they all have nicknames, which makes me wonder why name them all the same thing. If you're going to just let them go by nicknames anyhow, but that's what they did. He had 10 kids or has 10 kids, five girls, five boys. Well, men and women now, of course, they're not little kids. When someone asked him why he named them all the same thing, he said, I named all my sons George Edward Foreman, so they would always have something in common. And Foreman wrote on his website, I say to them, if one of us goes up, then we all go up together. And if one of us goes down, we all go down together. And, and I guess I took that it to mean that it, it keeps them on the straight and narrow because, hey, if you're going to tarnish the George Foreman name, you'll have five other people to kick your booty because their names get tarnished too, right? <laughs> I, I don't know if that's brilliant or just unique and odd, but <laughs> he joked around when he was interviewed on the Christian Broadcasting Network not long ago saying, I tell people, if you're going to get hit as many times as I've been hit by Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Ken Norton, and Evander Holyfield, you're not going to remember many names, so this helps me out. <laughs> I find that very funny. But anyway, I don't think he named all of his daughters the same thing, though. And when I was in college, I still lived with my parents for a part of that time, and we lived next door to a family that had five kids, and all the kids were named after their father in some way. His name was James. There was James Jr., James Ella, James Zena, Jody James, and James. <clears throat> sorry, and Jamesy. Yeah, interesting, right? <laughs> yes, they were great people, uh, and, and the kids were wonderful, uh, hilarious actually. But I'm thinking of them because at this conference that I told you about, uh, that I was at, um, I met one of the families. <laughs> Not the ones that, that I was sitting with in the pew, uh, but a different family. And they had five of their adult kids with them. All of their adult kids with them, a, a husband and wife. So they had their five kids and then their kids' kids were there as well. I don't know how many total that was at this conference. But the five adult kids' names were Taylor, Tiana, Tyler, Toby, and Tootie. And hold on to your hat. They called them Tay-T-Ti-To-Two. <laughs> yes. Tay-T-Ti-To-Two. Taylor, Tiana, Tyler, Toby, Tootie. Um, uh, but one of them looked at me and he pointed his thumb at his brother and said, Yeah, but it's easy to remember because we just call him stupid. Uh None of the other siblings seemed to like that comment, and he laughed. I know he was joking, but it also kind of triggered something in me that he just stood right there as an adult and pointed his thumb and said, hey, we call him stupid. 
so it got me to thinking not just about nicknames and how people name their children and these extended families, but about name calling. Now, I'm not going to go into some diatribe about sibling name calling and bullying in school. We all know that's wrong. And if you don't, email me and I'll hook you up with some awesome discussions and facts on the long-term ramifications of bullying and name calling. But that conversation got me to thinking really a bit more about name calling in other ways. So let me kind of go off on a wee bit of a tangent that that relates to the topic. But here's a question for you. Are you a name caller? As in, do you call people by nicknames? And are they good and appropriate, nice nicknames? Because sometimes people call each other nicknames that aren't okay, like stupid. I have a feeling that was not the first time that brother called his brother stupid. Um, do you have a nickname? I do. My, my family nickname for me growing up was PH. Yep, some still call me the PH, but it does not really stand for anything. It, it's not a, a an abbreviation for anything, although one of my brother's uh, it says it means pure hell, but that's not true. <laughs> it's just the end of a word. It's end of the, the end of the name Murph. I cannot even tell you why, but I got the nickname Murfin when I was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, which shortened to Murph. And I liked spelling it with PH at the end instead of an F. And then, so my brother shortened it to PH because I preferred to spell everything with an that had an F with a PH instead. It was just one of those little quirky, I was 11 or 12 year old things. Like I wore a knit cap everywhere for a couple of years. And yes, you're welcome. I did it long before it was a big celebrity trend. That was me, PH, riding a skateboard with a knit hat on when I was 12 years old. Take that, Justin Bieber. All right, so, but here's the thing about the name calling. As I got older, I responded to PH, I still do, but I didn't call myself PH. It was just a playful nickname, right? So it wasn't anything that I called myself or labeled myself. So getting back around more to the precise topic at hand, via the statement the guy made saying he just called his brother stupid, well, I have a confession here. As I got older, I did not call myself PH or even Karen. I spent way too many breaths doing some not-so-nice name-calling towards myself. Unfortunately, I've gone through that um, many times, and sometimes I still go through it. Do you know what I mean? Do you catch yourself doing the same thing, maybe calling yourself negative things like stupid, ugly, lazy, or even worse? Yeah, it's not a good thing. It's not okay for someone else to call you those things and just as bad or even worse for you to call yourself those kinds of names. It's a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? Maybe you haven't learned it yet. I, I wanted to share with you that this man's words really got me thinking about name calling. You see, I don't think it was a coincidence that probably about six months ago, I ordered this book called The Hidden Messages in Water. It was a New York Times bestseller many years ago, and it's a it's a written by a man who did studies on water and the effect that words have on crystallized water. I know it sounds kind of strange, but it's actually not. The man who did this is a Japanese scientist named Masuria Moto, and he discovered that the molecules of water are affected by our thoughts and our words. And okay, so 
think about it this way. We human beings are composed physiologically mostly of water, 60% overall, and our brain is made up of 73% water. So in his book, he talks about not just about personal health and our environment, but the effect that words have on us as human beings and about how God made us. He's not pushy about God in the book, but he definitely talks about our creator. It's not a Christian biblical scriptural book. It's a scientific book. And I personally, I personally, I hope you do too. I personally know who the creator of the earth is and I know him. I have a relationship with him. He's also the creator of water. He's also the creator of human beings and the creator of sciences. That's God. He's my friend. In case I lost you there, you didn't know who I was talking about. Um, so I was really interested to see what it was that this book was talking about because for a long time I have seen in myself and in other people how our words affect our countenance, how our words affect our health, our immunity, how it can um create a a scenario, perfect scenario for us to have diseases and how our thoughts and our words and our attitudes can create divisions in relationships and predispose us to, to good or bad habits and even cause us to rise up or spiral downward. You know, there's a quote that says, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. And not just as he thinketh, but also how he speaks, because usually how you speak is how you think at some point, no matter how hard you try to hide it, what you're thinking is going to eventually come out in your words and in your actions. So this book has unbelievable close up pictures of water crystallizations, you know, basically frozen water that have been subjected to different words and even to music. Let me give you an example. He shows up close, amazing photos of what happens to water crystals as they form when it, when they're exposed to different kinds of music. So the crystals that form when water is exposed to things like classical music, like, um, he had, uh, Beethoven's fifth symphony and symphony number six, uh, playing and the crystals are beautiful. And they're also different colors depending on what kind of music is being played, uh, because they're shaped differently and they refract light differently with each kind of music that's played. So heavy metal rock creates a jagged and disfigured looking crystal. I found that really interesting. And in other experiments, he shows water that was spoken to, okay, spoken to and spoken over and what those crystallizations looked like. So he had children speak to water and say, you're so cute, you're adorable, and then took pictures of the crystals afterwards. The crystals were adorable. They were cute. And, you know, it's water. Water is water. It's from the same water source, same water source. You would think that the crystallizations would look similar, but they didn't. Because then he had children talk to the water again during its crystallization process and call, uh, call it ugly and stupid. The water formed strange, oblong, round-shaped crystals and these little formations that were ugly. This was not a random thing either. He did this time and time again with different kinds of music and different kinds of words. Yeah, seriously. Um, And if you're out on social media right now, there's a 
kind of a home experiment you can do that you'll see on there that he talks about in his book. It's kind of going around and people have started to pick up on it here lately. And I'm not sure why. And I got this book actually before I ever saw any of these things on social media. So I'm not sure why this book was suddenly becoming, is suddenly becoming popular again. But this trend is where people are doing this experiment and they take cooked rice, just plain white cooked rice. They put the same amount in two different jars. They put the lid on it and they make sure it's tight. One jar you put the label hate on and the other jar you put a label of love on. And for two weeks, you pick up the jars and say things to the jars. The hate jar you say negative things to and hateful things to. The jar that has love on it, you say loving and wonderful things to. Yes, you're talking to rice, okay, <laughs> which has also been cooked in water, by the way. And it, it, there's no mention of this anywhere, but I looked it up for myself because it got me to thinking. I looked up this fact for myself because I, I, I couldn't find it anywhere, but cooked rice is made up of 70% water, okay? So you put these two jars on two different ends of your counter, but in the same room, same temperature, same environment, and the jar that has had hateful negative words spoken over it starts to turn black. The other jar does not. Now, I've not tried this for myself, but I've seen a lot of people on social media doing this lately. There's no guarantees if you try it, what it's going to do. I'm just telling you what is in this book and what I've seen from other people. I know there's also significance, by the way, in the fact that we are made of water and that God is the living water. In him we live, we breathe, we move, and we have life. And that is no small thing. But in his infinite creation, there's obviously more to it than that. And as far as this book and this concept goes and the significance of how words affect uh, us and, and how this this uh, concept in this book is becoming popular again as of late, I believe the reason is... <sighs> Well, just look around the world. <laughs> That's the reason. Culture everywhere is hurting and people are lashing out with horrible words and name calling. Suicide is at an all time high in the United States and in other countries because of words. Words matter. If words didn't matter, we wouldn't have the word of a God, which is eternal. It never changes and it's truth. Words matter. And what we call others, and especially what we call ourselves, matters. So are you name-calling? If you were a jar of rice, would you be turning black? Would you have ugly crystallizations formed if you were water being spoken to? Or, or, or would you be beautiful, light-filled crystals? Because here's the thing, and the reason that I bring this up. So many of us have gotten this pretty much caught up in the culture of self-hate or self-degradation of comparing ourselves to everyone and everything that we really have no business comparing ourselves to and ridiculing ourselves if we somehow fall short according to what, to what the world says we should be or what we think we should be or what someone else told us we should be and we're not. And because of that and how we're hearing so many negative words just kind of thrown around all the time, we've easily picked up on them and we can easily repeat them to ourselves. Now, I've had times where I've just honestly felt worthless 
you know, not long ago, literally three days in a row, I burned something while I was cooking dinner. I felt stupid and like I was a horrible cook. So I called myself stupid and I declared it with my mouth and my words that I was a horrible cook. I spoke those words over myself on the very first day that I burned something. I did that on day one of three. Now, if you just take the scientific principle that I'm mostly made of water, then physiologically speaking, what do you think those words did to the water in my body? Think of what that water coursing through my body maybe did to my brains and my organs. Now, if you talk about this on a spiritual level, does it say anywhere in the word of God that the Holy Spirit condemns us and leaves us for, for, because we're flawed and, and making mistakes, that he abandons us? Does it say anywhere in God's word that he has declared that we human beings are stupid, ignorant, fat, ugly, worthless? No, it doesn't. What we say about ourselves matters just as much, if not more, than what other people say about us. Because really, someone else's opinion and their bullying and their name calling does not really matter, even though it can hurt. What matters is who you believe that you are. And what you believe about yourself. What matters is if you know who you are. And that you are his. And what he calls you. That's the spiritual part right here. Because we are not merely flesh and bone. And the world and our egos and evil forces and our own weak picture of ourselves can declare whatever they want about our flesh and bones and our brain and our synapses. But we are not merely flesh and bone. One can declare that they are ugly or stupid, ignorant or fat, but flesh is only one part of who we are. So if you know the truth of who you are in the Lord and you know it, I mean, you really know it without a shadow of a doubt, then no off key, off color, degrading reference that, that might start to come out of your mouth will stick or will change the composition of who you are inside or out. We have the ability to protect ourselves. To use the helmet of salvation to protect our minds too, by the way, and our brains from all that other stuff and that junk that comes at us from other people. But we also have a responsibility to use the armor and the wisdom and the word that God gave us to protect who we are from negative connotations about ourselves and other people. That we allow these things to enter our brain and come out of our mouths It's got to be horrific and repugnant to the Lord. It must hurt him. The Bible specifically talks about how we think about ourselves and the fact that it does affect us. It affects our path and our purpose and what we become. Like I read from that poet before, she was told these things and eventually that's what she became. It affects us. And so many people just gloss right over it. And stuff like this isn't talked about in church. In fact, the church, meaning the body of Christ as a whole, over the last 20 years or so has greatly come away from even uttering the word self-esteem or self-confidence. We're not allowed to say the word self. No, hardly at all in the church anymore because it's considered selfish. And that's a lie. It's not selfish. The quote I referred to earlier, as a man thinketh, is based on um, Proverbs 23, 7. In the King, King James Version, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so shall he be. 
And then let's think about the water. As it's told, if it's wonderful or horrible, it affects it. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, Lord, for my soul knows it very well. Your soul was created to know. In 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. And here's the key part. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I know it's difficult. It's so difficult not to get caught up in the self-deprecating words and, and degrading who we are. I truly do. I feel for you. I'm there too at times. And it's everywhere. We're being told we're not enough or we're too much. We're being told we're too thin or we're too fat. We're being told we need to go on this diet or that diet. We're being told we're not making enough money or we're focusing on it too much. Everywhere you look, including in a church setting, we're being told we're not enough and there's something wrong with us. The only thing wrong with us is that we are human. We are flawed beings. And that in itself isn't necessarily anything wrong because we were created in God's image and he made us as such. He's perfect and we're not. But over time, we can be perfected in him. And that is part of the point. We are on a journey here. I have to remind myself every time I go on a tangent of trying to tell myself how horrible I am or how stupid I am or how ugly I am. Whoa, wait a minute, Karen. You were made in God's image. Am I too much? Do I look right? Should I wear makeup? Am I wearing the right kind of clothing? Are my clothes too baggy? Are my clothes too tight? Or, or maybe I should or shouldn't do this or, or that because my hair looks horrible or I hardly have any hair. All of those thoughts cause me to want to just sit and insult myself. They tempt me to become the jar on the counter that's turning black because negative things are constantly being said to it. And I have to remind myself what it says in Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created me. There's an old quote that says, God didn't make no junk. Horrible grammar, but it's true. <laughs> he didn't make junk. He made each of us how we are for a reason. Yes, it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves in the best way that we know how. But that means not just physically and health-wise, but spiritually, mentally, and emotionally too. We're all made in God's image, and yet we're all so different from each other. Now, if that doesn't tell you what an amazing God we have, I don't know what else will. Because we were all made in His image, and we all have things in common, and yet we all look vastly different from each other unless you're an identical twin, and that's a whole other story. But yes, we have similarities in our individual families, but when it comes down to it, inside and out, we are all different from each other. And yet, we all have one creator, one father, and we were made in his image. So every time you come out with a word or a name that you want to call yourself because you feel horrible in the moment or you're emotional or you're upset, I want you to think about what that does what that says. Number one, about your relationship with the one who made you. How insulting are you being to not just yourself, but to 
God when you're degrading what he made and who he made. How disrespectful is that? And number two, what are you doing to yourself inside and out every time you heap negative thoughts and bad names onto yourself? I don't know if I put a jar of rice on the counter and said bad things to it, if it's going to turn black or not. But I know how I feel after I've done something like name calling to myself. I feel dark inside. After I've gone on a tangent about how horrible I am when I'm really not horrible, I know how it's made me feel deep down inside. And if I continue that kind of negative self-talk, it affects me in every which way for days. I feel it physically. I heard many years ago when I was in college that, and I was taking classes in psychology and psychiatry, that for every one negative word that someone hears about themselves, it takes a thousand positives to rewrite that that negative thought in their brain. If we're going to do name calling, then we need to do name calling that comes straight from the word of God. So we can rewrite all those negative things that are stuck in our brains so that we can erase the lies and replace them with truth. Because the truth is I'm not stupid. Sometimes I feel like I'm stupid because I do things that make no sense or I didn't do something right or I forgot something, but I'm not stupid and I'm not a stupid person. I am not unloved. I'm not unworthy. Even calling myself fat, which is a huge cultural negative connotation anymore, is not good. But I hear it all over the place. And so it's easy to pick up on it. Am I a big girl? Yes, indeed I am. Although, guess what? Sometimes I'm not. And that's the truth too. I have every size clothing there is in my closet because my weight goes up and down so much. Does that define who I am? Or what quality of a person I am? No, it does not. That doesn't make me an ugly person. It just makes me an average woman. I am who God made me to be. And you are who God made you to be. If you're not sure who that is, then you need to take some time with the Lord to dig deeper into it. And if you're in a habit of labeling yourself negative things, like when you get upset or sad or hurting or or something you make, um, fails or falls through and your immediate reaction is one that that takes you on some sort of negative name calling rant towards yourself then I implore you to take time to dig into the word of God and find out who you really are and let those positive words that he says about you and that truth right over the lies you know the lies that you've told yourself or maybe even that someone else told you and then you believed them and you're still holding on to them Where can you go to look for that truth? Let me start you out. If you call yourself weak and wimpy, Psalms 18.32 says, God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. If you say you're a sinner and that's all you'll ever be, you need to look into 1 John 2.12 because it says otherwise. If you say you're alone and you'll always be alone, Joshua 1.9 says, God is with you wherever you go. And the Bible says all of the following too. It says you're justified and redeemed. You are forgiven. You are a friend of Jesus. You are a branch from the true vine. You're accepted by Christ and you are to be called a saint. And 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that in Christ Jesus, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now, does someone who is wise, righteous, sanctified, and redeemed sound stupid? Ugly? Horrible? No, 
doesn't to me. And Jeremiah 31, 3 tells each of us, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. He is a kind God and he loves us in an everlasting way. You are loved by a God who made you just the way you are for a reason. Maybe even a reason you can't even fathom yet. But you were made for that reason and for a purpose. These passages are really just the tip of the iceberg. Again, I encourage you to dig into the Bible for yourself. Research it and find out what God says about you and who you are. And who you are in Him. And what He has for you. And how He sees you. Again, it's hard. I know it's hard. I've lived through it so many times. I'm still living through it here and there. And I know how difficult it is to wrap our brains around the fact that we were made preciously and precisely, purposefully with a plan. As flawed as we feel, as ugly as we feel at times, as imperfect as we are, we were made perfectly just as we are for a purpose. I don't like all the aches and pains in my body. I don't like the fact that as I get older, I have less hair, more chins, and a harder time remembering things. I don't like that sometimes I care what other people think of me, and other times I could care less. Somewhere in there is the truth that what I should care about is what my Heavenly Father thinks of me, and that I need to know who I am in Him, that I am His, and that I am redeemed. No matter all my flaws, no matter what's going on with me inside and out, I am redeemed and I know that he has forgiven me for doing my own negative name calling. I've asked him to forgive me for degrading a child of his. Do you need to do the same thing? I believe that each one of us, if we knew who we were, we knew who we were supposed to be and that we were walking in the Lord with the confidence that comes with the fact that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and we were made as we are for a purpose, then we would have no self-loathing, we'd have no self-hatred, and we wouldn't be doing any name calling. And when we stop calling ourselves names, then if someone else does call us a name, we sort of become like that saying, I'm rubber, you're glue, what you say or call me bounces off me and sticks on you. Although I don't really wish for anybody else actually to have those kinds of words stuck to them, you know, for something to stick on them because I, I wish for them and for everyone to have the truth and a self-love like we're supposed to have. You know, we're supposed to love others as we love ourselves, but we have a whole society and a globe of people who are going around hating themselves. It's no wonder we hate. We hate so many other people and there's so much hatred around because we don't, we're, we're showing them and, and treating them like we treat ourselves. Self-love that comes from the knowledge of who we are in the Lord is the key, in my opinion, to global peace. If we loved ourselves enough we would look out for each other as human beings and children of God. I know that's kind of a utopian world idea. And according to the word of God, which I wholeheartedly believe to be truth in the book of Revelation, it shows us globally that kind of self-love and brotherly love that, that would sweep across the world is never going to happen. Not until the Lord returns and every knee is going to bow and every, every tongue confess. But what I care about right now in this moment 
and in the days to come is you and encouraging you to see yourself through the eyes of the Lord. And if you're not sure what that looks like and what kind of picture he's seeing when he looks at you, then please go to him in prayer. Take that quiet time with him and dig into the word of God to find out because it will open your eyes and your heart to see and hopefully change your self-talk because your words do matter. What you call yourself makes a difference. I promise you right now that I'm working hard on it too. No more negative name calling. And if I'm going to call myself anything and any name, it's going to be loved, redeemed, chosen, gifted. Sometimes I'll call myself goofy, but you know, that's not so negative either. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the woman inspired podcast. Again, if you'd like more info about this podcast or how to schedule me for your podcast or a speaking engagement, hop on out to womaninspired.com.